back to my baptism. I had a long time ago, 53 years ago. And I still stand amazed in the presence of Jesus that you would love a sinner like me. And so I'm delighted that we can stand here this morning and give you praise and adoration. We can think about what you've done in our lives and what you've done in the lives of the people who are going to be baptized this morning. What we can still see you do in the lives of those who we're praying for. You can change them radically and dramatically. Thank you, Father, that we can stand in your presence and sing of your love and your grace and do it together as a family of God. So we give you praise and we trust that you're glorified in everything we do this day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Wow. That was crazy. I can't even remember what I did two weeks ago. And what I was supposed to do two weeks from now. But I remembered this specific this morning standing there singing what it was like when I got baptized 53 years ago. For most of you, you weren't even born then. For a lot of you, weren't even born then. There's a lot going on, and obviously Joe gave you all the details for that. If you didn't come in on time this morning, we wish you did. But we wanted to make sure you remind, I don't know why I said it that way. <laughs> Want to remind you what Joe said about the Christmas Eve tickets. Uh, they are here, and we know there's going to be a mad rush out the door as soon as we dismiss today. Ten minutes after we're done here, the family experience and kids' stuff theater. But these are not a guarantee. We just need to make sure that you have one, and we know, hey, we can tell you next Sunday or the Sunday after that, just so you know, this service is full, not enough room. Make sure you come to one of the other ones so we can get a count and an understanding of what's going to take place. The reason the doors are not open until 1230 on that particular service, the first one, our volunteers are coming in an hour ahead of time to practice. They will be here at 11.30. They do not get to leave until after the last service, almost quarter to eight. So that is a long time for 85, 95 volunteers that are going to be here for that volume of hours. So we want to make sure they have adequate time to prepare and practice. So that's why at the first service, those doors will not open until 12.30. We hope you respect that. But it gives them an opportunity to prepare and be ready for that day, because it will be a long day, but an unbelievably fun day. I cannot wait. One of my favorite services of the year. This is a time of celebration. Last Sunday, we celebrated communion, and I heard from a couple of you saying, I love the way we celebrated. It always intrigued me growing up how we talked about selling, celebrating communion, but it never seemed like a celebration. And last Sunday morning was a celebration of what God has done for us on the cross and the opportunity to be reminded of that. So every time I hold that bread in my hand and that cup in my hand and I know Christ is my Savior, it doesn't matter whether I'm a member of this church or any church. It remembers or matters whether I'm a member of the kingdom of God and I've invited Christ into my life and that I can share and celebrate what Jesus did for me. And every time I hold those elements, I am reminded again that God, you loved me that much that you gave your life for me? that you allowed your body to be broken on the cross, you shed your blood so that I can have forgiveness of sin, that's why we ought to celebrate. Then we celebrated Thanksgiving. We celebrated it on Wednesday night. If you were not here, you missed it. Stories were incredibly powerful, and Evan Miranda put it home. I mean, he did a marvelous job on Wednesday night, and we had the opportunity to celebrate the blessings of God. Obviously, as you can see, we're going to start celebrating Christmas. I mean, this place turned around faster than anything I've ever seen. Starting next Sunday morning, we're going to have a four-week series, Journey Toward Christmas. 
And four different pastors are going to share the message, one after the other after the other, as we head toward Christmas. And not only the journey of Christmas, but the people that God ministered to during that journey. On Tuesday afternoon, I had the opportunity to celebrate a life well lived. Vic Brown impacted my life probably as much as almost any other person that I've ever met. One of our elders for a number of years, one of the guys that first hired me over 24 years ago, who loved me like crazy, invested his life, and prayed for us and all of us on a regular basis. Every single Sunday, he would come here early, walk all over our campus, walk through our children's ring, and pray for the children, specifically pray for the children of our church that they would come to faith in Christ. Three of them are going to be baptized here this morning. And I get the opportunity that particular day to celebrate his life and what God has done. In January, we're going to celebrate the life of the unborn. And in January, we're going to celebrate the ordination of Reverend David Prentice and Reverend Bob Thomas. Both of them have passed. Both of them are prepared. But it can't be official until we do it in the particular service. But Dave said, please don't add anything more to my plate in December. And we tried to work it out in January, and it couldn't work out until January the 19th. But we're going to be here to celebrate that day. If you listen very carefully and you watch the words of the song this morning, you recognize that we're celebrating life change today. All the songs we sang, all the things we talked about, the celebration of being set free, what Jesus did for us, the life he gave to us. You and I stand here this morning and we sat here this morning and we celebrated what God has done in our life, if you know that. These that are going to get baptized this morning are going to do the same. They're going to celebrate life change. And we're here to do that, to celebrate with them what God has done in their life. I know that it's not something we talk about on a regular basis, but if I were to ask you, if you wanted to go to heaven when you died, i got to believe that all of you would say, what? Of course. Of course I want to go to heaven when I die. Absolutely I want to go to heaven when I die. I'm hoping it's not today. I'm hoping I get through the day, but I want to go to heaven when I die. Every single one of you would answer absolutely to that question. Now, if I were to ask you, are you sure, or how you would know for sure you're going to heaven, i got to believe that I'd probably hear a few other answers. Some of you may answer, I attend church on a regular basis. I attend Community Alliance. That's got to get me on another level, right? I mean, not just attend a church. I attend Community Alliance. That's got to get me in a little bit faster, right? Some of you would say, well, I've lived a good life. Not really have. Hey, you did a series on the Ten Commandments, and I kept them all. That one about lying? Yeah, I, 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 I kept them all. And you would say, certainly that's going to, hey, I read the Bible. I mean, I know there are a lot of verses. Hey, that John 3, 16, I know that one pretty well. And, and I know that because of my attendance, I gave money. Maybe I taught a class. I helped an older person. I served a meal at a soup kitchen one time. Or maybe on a regular basis, certainly all of those good things are going to be at a better standing with God, right? They're all good answers. Tending church, reading the Bible, giving, serving, all great answers. The problem is they're not the right one. When Jesus finished his ministry here on earth, we're going to celebrate that over the, last, over the next number of months, he left to prepare a place for us. Said to his disciples, look, you need to know, I am physically not going to be here with you forever. I'm going to leave. They didn't like that statement, but he said it on a number of occasions. I'm going to leave and I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I love that thought in an old song years and years ago where he said, can you imagine 
what God is doing now, if he spent six days creating this world that is breathtaking, can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? One of the disciples said to him, Lord, we have no idea where you're going. How do we get there? And Jesus gave the ultimate answer to life. In one sentence, in one statement, Jesus gave the answer to life itself, heaven itself, and the future when he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to God but through me. That is the answer to life itself. That is the answer to heaven. That is the answer you need to have. So when you stand before Almighty God and you want into heaven, there's no Peter standing at the gate doing a checklist. No matter all the stories that you've heard, there's probably not a gate that opens up to let you in. And you're going to be standing out there and God theoretically could say, why would I let you in? A lot of you will have some of the same answers that I said before. The ultimate answer is, I've received Jesus as my Savior. And because of him, not because of me, nothing I have done, nothing I have tried, everything is him. And Because of that, Father, would you let me in? Jesus is the way, the only way. Everything we celebrate on Christmas with Christ coming to earth, culminating on Easter regarding Jesus' death on the cross, resurrection from the grave, is tied into what we celebrate this morning in baptism. Scripture very clearly teaches us that we have absolutely no hope of making it to heaven on our own. Our sin is too ugly and God is too holy and the gap between the two is enormous. Now, a lot of people try to bridge that gap with good things, church attendance, good living, hoping it's enough, never really knowing for sure. Others feel like they'll never make it and neither give up or give in to everything they think will somehow satisfy or fill that hole in their soul. They'll try to fill it with activity or work or relationships, a lot of other things, and sadly, in the middle of it all, or specifically at the end of it all, will still come up empty. I tried all of those things and nothing satisfied that hole in my soul. And there's a lot of people that spent all their life trying to fill that hole in their soul. And until they found Christ, there was that emptiness. And when they found Christ, there's that fullness, there's that filling. That's what I've been looking for all of my life. Now the sad part, neither one of those other things work. Trying as hard as you can to please God and to be accepted by him or believing that this life is all there is so that it doesn't matter. Neither one of those two work. What we're going to celebrate at Christmas and what we celebrate on Easter is the answer. It's what separates us from every other religion in the world. Every other religion in the world tries to do everything they can to please God, to somehow get their small g God's attention. And they never really know if they do. Ask somebody just on the down low or straight up, do you know you're going to heaven? And many of them will answer, I hope so. I sure hope so. I'd like to. I want to. I'm pretty sure. And they'll give you not What you want is, I know. I am absolutely certain that I'm going to heaven without a doubt. Christianity, we have a God who reached down to us. And not only reached down to us, he came looking for us, offering us life. And not just eternal life, but life now. Jesus said, I come that you might have life. And what I love about that John 10 verse is that you may have it to the full. Jesus offers us eternal life, incredible. But he also offers us a full life now. 
Some people are only looking forward to to eternal life. Others are only seeing a full life now. He offers them both to us. That song that we sang this morning, nothing will keep him from coming after us. Not your past, nothing you've ever done, not how bad you were, not many things you've done, or all the things you've done. Nothing will ever keep him from coming after you. A couple years ago, I asked this question in that particular song. He left the 99, and I asked this question of you. How many of you know exactly what that phrase means in the song that you just sang a few moments ago? Raise your hands, honestly. Not even half of you. That song is a story that Jesus gave about a shepherd who had 100 sheep, and one of them got lost, and he left the 99 so that he could go and find that one sheep. These 99 were already found, and he said, I want to leave them there in the safety and security, what I know they know, and I want to go and find that one who is lost. Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save the lost. And without Jesus, our friends, our family members, and maybe even some of you sitting here this morning are lost without Christ. You may have found your way to church. You may find your way around town. But without Christ, we're lost. And Jesus came to find us. Instead of us trying to reach up to God, he reached down to us and came looking for us. Not just reaching down saying, hey, got an answer for you. But he came looking for us and running after us, doing everything he possibly could, offering to pay God's required price for our sin. Because all of us have sinned. Scripture is very clear on that. And even if you don't believe Scripture, ask your neighbor. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Ask your neighbor, am I perfect? Oh, you're not going to ask him right now? All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, no matter how good we are, you can put a shirt on her, daddy's little angel, she's not. He's not. You never had a ever, ever, ever have to teach them how to do bad things, right? They just somehow naturally know how to do that. You spend your whole life teaching them how to do good things. All of us have sinned. Every single one of us. I have, you have, all of us. All God's creation has sinned and falls short of his expectation, which is holiness. Our sin is too ugly, God is too holy, and the gap between the two is enormous. But he gives us an answer in Scripture. And the wages of that sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, it really doesn't matter. You may have the most extravagant gift you've ever thought of in your life. This year, babe, at Christmas time, I've got the gift that you won't even fathom I'm going to give you. Every time I see those commercials on TV, I say, hey, babe, close your eyes. I don't want, to, I don't want you to see that $2,500 necklace I'm going to buy you. You know, or that car I'm going to buy. It doesn't matter what gift you give. It could be the most extravagant thing you could ever imagine. The gift, the best Christmas I've ever had. I've waited all of this time. And by the way, she's not going to get that. Waited all this time to get that one gift. And you may say, this is the ultimate Christmas. All my other gifts, this one is the gift. The absolute greatest gift is a gift gift of God and his son, Jesus Christ. That is the greatest gift. All of us have sinned, come short of the glory of God, and the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he didn't die a martyr's death for a great cause, which other religions will tell you he did. He died for our sin. He paid the price for our sin. He rose from the dead and offers us life everlasting and an amazing future in heaven. 
Paul tries to describe it in a glimpse in 1 Corinthians, and then he says, look, I just need to tell you, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind can even conceive the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And it begins for us personally when we recognize our need of a Savior. We confess our sins, we invite Christ into our life, and we let him take control of our lives. And from there, everything in our lives begin to change. We're not perfect. These that are going to get baptized this morning in this service and the next, they're not perfect, but they recognize that everything in their life when they receive Christ has begun to change. We believe this message is so powerful, it's the reason we take it to the ends of the earth. The Christian Missionary Alliance that you and I are part of have 700 ambassadors in almost 80 countries that are taking this message to everybody they possibly can. Can they reach the whole 6 billion, 7 billion? Of course not. But we're doing everything we possibly can because we believe this message can change a life for all eternity. And we help them with food? Absolutely. Can we help them with income? Absolutely. Can we help them with their needs, their circumstances? Absolutely. But what we have is the answer to life itself. And we take that everywhere we go, to other countries, to our neighbors, to our family and friends, because we believe that this message is the hope of the world. And what we celebrate this morning is a public declaration of a personal decision. Scripture says, repent, turn around, follow Christ. I've been walking my own path, doing my own thing, following my own way. I recognize that's not getting me where I need to go. I turn around, and I begin to follow Christ. Repent, turn around, and be baptized. Confess your sins, accept Christ as Savior, and then let everyone know about the decision that we've made. Now, some people will say, well, religion is a private matter. Not really. It may be a private decision, but it needs to have a public statement that goes with it. Does it mean you're not going to go to heaven if you don't get baptized? No, it doesn't mean that at all. But it's not enough just to keep it to yourself. It's something that you want to celebrate. You want others to know. I am a follower of Christ. Baptism says to everyone, I'm a follower of Jesus. No turning back. Their t-shirts are going to say that. I have decided to follow Jesus. And we're going to sing in a moment, no turning back. Now saying that here, for everyone who goes through the tank into both services, is not that difficult. Because they are saying it to people they love. People who are going to cheer for them, embrace them, and love on them, and pray for them. What's difficult is when they try to stand up for their convictions out there. In a world that tries to constantly pull it down and push them away from everything they know is true. Those who are going to get baptized this morning are saying by being baptized, I'm going to stay true to my commitment to follow Christ. No matter what challenges come my way. I want my life to be an example to other people. I want to be a positive influence on my friends, on my family, on my school, at work, in my neighborhood. I am not ashamed to say that I'm a follower of Christ. I'm actually excited about that relationship, and I'm excited about being able to share it. Now, in our denomination, which is the Christian Missionary Alliance, we believe in immersion. Some of you may have gone through church circles where you were sprinkled or poured over. Some of you were baptized as babies. We dedicate babies, and we baptize believers here in our church. And we believe once you've come to a decision, there's no magic age, but once you come to a decision where you're fully assured of that and aware of that, it's an opportunity for you to take the next step and declare to everyone that you are a follower of Christ. And we believe that immersion, baptizo in Greek means fully under or fully immersed, immersion celebrates what you've done in Christ. I'm not what I used to be. That old person is gone, and I'm a new creature in Christ. We don't hold you down that long, just so you're not, <laughs> we're not holding you down that long to tell that whole thing. 
We want to know. But we want you to know that that's what you're celebrating. And going under symbolizes what I used to be coming up out of the water symbolizes what I am right now in Christ. This church, and God has blessed us in amazing ways, has been used by God to reach people who had some form of religion but no relationship with him. And now they have one. A number of people can say, I was that person. And now I follow Christ. Some of them are celebrating that change. Some have been far away from God. Some are prodigals. If you have, I, I, I've said this a couple of occasions, but it's one of the most powerful statements I've ever heard. If you have a prodigal child, remember this. Keep praying. Because they may escape your presence, but they can never escape your prayers. If you have a prodigal child who you knew understood the claims of Christianity but never really embraced it for themselves and decided to go their own way, do their own thing. They may not even want to talk to you about it. They may not come home at Christmas. They may not come home at Thanksgiving. But even though they may always escape your presence, they can never escape your prayers. Do you know what that means? Keep praying. Keep praying. Some of you grew up in Christian homes, which is awesome. But I need you to know that you cannot depend on your family's faith for your salvation. You need to come to a point where you make your family's faith your own. These three girls here this morning are going to celebrate that. They come from a long generation of families who know Jesus as Savior, the grandparents and their parents. But now they're going to say, we are followers of Christ. And we have made the decision to follow Jesus. A lot of people come to faith usually on one or two levels. They know enough they want to or they heard enough. They have to, and that's fine. Because some of them I see here this morning are celebrating Christ and have celebrated Christ in their own baptism because they found Christ at the lowest point of their life and they knew that he was the answer to everything they've ever looked for. And they've come to the point to celebrate that. You may be here this morning as one of those. I know this is the truth. I've heard you say it. I've heard others say it. I know it's the truth. I want to, today, I want to invite Christ into my life. I don't want to, Go any longer wondering, hoping, wishing that if I die, I go to heaven. This spring, we started something new here at Community Alliance Church. I don't know if you can see them. But there's a cross over here saying, pray they find Jesus. And a cross over here saying, celebrating new life in Christ. And what we did in the spring when we did that is we had you to fill out on a three-by-five card a name of somebody you're praying for. Somebody that you would love to see come and find Jesus as their Savior. And you prayed for them. Our encouragement to you is to not just only pray for them, tell them. Do everything you possibly can to see them find faith in Christ and to celebrate that. And then we move that over here. Some was able to do that. Some here in this room were able during a worship service on a Sunday morning to take that name off of that cross and put it over here. Someday you may have the opportunity to celebrate their baptism because you not only prayed for them, you had the opportunity to share faith with them, to share Jesus with them. And they're celebrating for that fact this morning. Life is too precious. Life is too fragile. Way too unpredictable to wait. Someday I've got to share the story. Someday I've got to share the truth with them. Today could be the day. If you're here this morning and you're not sure of your relationship with Jesus, this would be the best day on the planet to accept Christ as your Savior. When we're done with the baptism this morning, there'll be pastors here and elders here who would love to pray with you and make sure that you know for sure you know Jesus. The five of you are going to get baptized this morning. Mike and Michelle here and the three Vinbro girls, if you'd stand for just one moment.
right where you are. They're easy to identify. They have t-shirts on. It says, I follow Christ. I want to ask you before your church family, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Is it your desire to follow him in baptism, which makes a public declaration of your commitment to Christ? Yes. All right. You may be seated. Dave's going to come out and lead us in a song. I'm going to change real quick, and I'm coming back out to join the two of you in the tank. God bless us with an amazing sense of your presence and the awesomeness of being with you as we celebrate what you've done in the lives of people today. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray.